Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah, the man is a menace Yeah, Building a dynasty, some of the finest things, promise you, you won't regret it Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all So don't even try, careful with the news, but when you use a take I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Go! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Part, proud of the partnership with the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. It is Monday, October 3rd, and as of right now, I am solo. Dennis will be here any minute. Matt is out of town, so we'll be bringing you guys a recap of everything that happened in week four. Four. Um, so let's go ahead and kick it off. We're going to start with the Minnesota Vikings against the New Orleans Saints, the game in England, where the Vikings were successful 28 to 25. And realistically, I think right now, besides Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, I don't think there's anybody else you can start with any kind of confidence for the Vikings. You know, we had a lot of hope for a guy like KJ Osborne, who has really just not been able to succeed um, doing much. He's had one good game. Irv Smith has had one good game. Adam Thielen has been very much up and down. I think at this point, we've kind of gotten into the territory where you're starting Justin Jefferson, obviously, every week. He's a top option, one of the best in the game. And you're probably starting Kirk Cousins as your QB, too. 
uh, for super flex strategies or uh, in super flex leagues. But like outside of those two, you just can't feel comfortable starting any other saint. Um, you know, in, unless you're in a super deep league and you want to throw Adam Thielen out there, I think maybe he's probably got some positive touchdown regression coming at some point. I expect him to be a little bit better than what he has been, but he is aging and the offense just doesn't look, we had hoped when Kevin Connell came over here, this was going to be very much like the Rams offense where you could expect one, maybe two, not even one, two wide receivers to be fantasy useful. And it really just seems to be Justin Jefferson on the Saints side of things here. So Alvin Kamara was ruled out late. We don't even know how much longer he's going to be out. We're just not getting a lot of real news here on, on some of these injuries. But Latavius Murray stepped in and looked serviceable. Are we trusting him, though, moving forward? I think so. Mark Ingram hasn't shown as much of anything. It is why I was so high on a a player named Abram Smith, who was an undrafted free agent to the New Orleans Saints. I just had talked about, you know, hey, they need someone else there outside of Alvin Kamara, and I was hoping that Abram Smith could be that player. Um, it looks like it's actually going to be Latavius Murray. So I would definitely, if he's available, pick him up and start him. I think that he is going to be um, a, a worthy player, at least until Kamara's out. Let's hope that Kamara's back next week. I've got multiple shares of Kamara. I'd love for him to be uh, the player for you and the player that you drafted. We unfortunately have to talk about this next game where the Atlanta Falcons beat the Cleveland Browns 23-20. Cleveland with another fourth quarter collapse. Go figure, right? On the Brown side here, I don't know if there's any real takeaways from this passing attack. I know Jacoby Brissett threw it a lot more uh, than typical, but it did not look good. Uh, Amari Cooper, while he had two really good games prior to this, another bad game, kind of like we had in week one. I don't – you can't bench Cooper because I think regardless, he's going to have weeks like this. He had weeks like this in in in, um, in Dallas, in Las Vegas. That's going to continue to be the way that it is here. So you have to start him every single week, but he's the only one. Like I still feel fine starting in Joku, who I believe had still had a pretty good day himself with nine fantasy points. I, outside of those two, though, I think it's just him. You're starting the running game on the Falcons side here with Tyler Algier. Cordero Patterson is going to be out. He was just put on the IR for four weeks. Tyler Algier should get a majority of the run here. He had a fairly good game here. Some of that coming from a pretty good receiving uh, game. But 10 points altogether will take it as one of the lead backs for the Falcons. Dennis, what is going on? How you doing on this wonderful Monday? Well, I hear you talking about Tyler Algier, so I'm doing great. What What are your thoughts on him now moving forward with, uh, obviously, Patterson being benched for at least – or not benched, being out for four weeks, being put on the IR? So they distributed the touches pretty evenly. It was uh, 11 for Algier, 10 for Patterson, and 9 for Huntley or something like that. You know, Algier had the the bigger plays. He, he made uh, made things happen. I think going forward, while Patterson is out, they're going to try to keep uh, both Huntley and Algier involved. But you know, I think for them, the Falcons need to get Kyle Pitts going, and maybe um, maybe Patterson being out is the catalyst to get Pitts going. Yeah, um, badly. They need to get Pitts going badly. That may be one of the – you don't want to say – 
he's not going to be a bust for re, for for dynasty leagues, but that may be unfortunately one of the bust picks this year at redraft. He is he is just not uh, not really producing four weeks into the season. Moving on to the Cowboys and Commanders here. Do the Cowboys win twenty five to ten? Is there a QB controversy in Dallas? Like I feel like that's a weird question to ask, but. This Cowboys offense does look good with Cooper Rush quarterback. There's no quarterback controversy in Dallas. When Dak is healthy, Dak is going to come back and Dak is going to play. Um, Jerry Jones loves pomp and circumstance and flash, and he's going to bring Dak back and he's going to talk shit all the while coming back. But when Dak is healthy, he is going to play and he's going to be the starter. There's going to be no looking over his shoulder. We're not at that stage. We're not at the Matt Ryan stage of Dak's career. We're not even at the Carson Wentz stage of Dak's career. Dak is still a bona fide top tier starter in, in the league. Uh, he's, I'll be honest though, the injuries, you know, the, the, what was it? The, was it a foot or a knee that had him out for the year? The ankle injury. Ankle. Yeah. And since he's come back, he hasn't ran, you know, and, and now the thumb, you know, leading up to that, he was good for what, you know, what, four or 500 yards, 300 yards and yeah. six touchdowns per season. And since he's come back, he's not getting that, that uh, ground production. So, uh, but there, no, Dak is the quarterback there. He's, under contract for a while still. Cooper Rush is a good story. Who knows? Maybe he's starting somewhere next year. Gets an opportunity. Uh, I mean, I w- they're not going to franchise tag him. That's for dang yeah. sure. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Cooper Rush gets a shot next year. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about it on here, on some of the other shows on our network. I don't think this QB class is really solid outside of two players named Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So I would not be surprised if a guy like Cooper Rush gets the Marcus Mariota treatment where he just gets a shot somewhere to be the starter and they draft like a quarterback in the third round to see if maybe Cooper Rush can can keep that team going. The one thing I'll say on Dak, I agree with you. There's no controversy this year. I wonder if Dak is not long for Dallas, though. Just the injuries piling up. I don't know that he's really done much. I believe they can get out of his contract in two years. And if that's the case, he'll be, I think, 30, maybe 31 at that point. I wonder if Dallas maybe decides to do something else because he, he, whether it was that ankle injury, maybe he's not fully recovered from that because we did hear to start this year was the year that Mike McCarthy and Dak were supposedly really going to work back into the rushing part of his game. And obviously we didn't get to see that. He unfortunately got hurt literally in the first game of the season, but I don't think that Jerry Jones wants to waste guys like CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons and, and you know, who's and Diggs. Like they've got a pretty good young core here. And I wonder if Dak is not getting it done over the next couple of years, if they do decide to move on from him. But right now I agree with you. There's really no, as good as Cooper rush is playing and, and as good as he's looked Dak in, at least in my opinion, is the better player overall. I mean, they, even with the out after 2023, there's still 39 million plus in dead cap. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of cash to eat. That it is, but if one person would do it, I feel like it'd be Jerry Jones. And I don't think I, I I don't think there's only but one or two years difference in the age between him and Rush, so they're not. Oh not yeah, like I don't. 
they're going to keep Cooper Rush around to, to be I don't think apparent. they'll go with Rush, but I think if things aren't working out with Dak, would they try and get maybe some other player who's on the market at that point or just draft another quarterback? I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think the book's written on Dak yet, but the past couple of years have not been good, and we know how bad Jerry Jones wants to win the Super Bowl. Is the shine off? Is the shine off of the apple for Carson Wentz here in Washington? Is that a ginger joke? I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> not you know Carson Wentz is who Carson Wentz is. He's gonna have games like this, and he's gonna have stretches like this. It's no, you know, he's Jameis Winston. You know, he's gonna make some plays, and he's gonna make some goofy plays. Um, Sometimes he bounces back in a game, the next game. Sometimes it takes a couple games. Uh, he doesn't do well with pressure. And if he's getting pressure on him, he makes poor decisions. Uh, he's not the only quarterback that that happens to, but it certainly thinks, or certainly seems that uh, um, there's some inconsistency. And I don't know if that's, you know, Scott Turner and, and uh, Ron Rivera game planning wrong. I don't know if it's breakdowns in the line, um, but sometimes Wentz just uh, falls apart. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I actually think this is more of the shine coming off of Ron Rivera. Uh, as much as I liked him as a coach, this Washington team every single year we keep talking about as a chance to make the playoffs and this defense is so good and can this offense do anything? It really hasn't. I mean, what was it? Heineke took him to the playoffs and they were still a losing record team. I believe that year that they made it yep. to the playoffs. Like I loved what Ron Rivera did in Carolina. And I was hoping for him to work out here. It may be time for, for a new voice in Washington. I, I mean, I, but if we're being honest, you know, he had lots of underperforming years in Carolina. Lots oh, he of did. Talent. I mean, that's kind of his MO. He's just good enough for you to think he's going to take a step this year. And then uh, he, he's done it, what, one time with a deep playoff uh, run they, to the Super Bowl? Yeah, he, he it, makes it they made the, the playoffs, playoffs a couple times. But he makes it yeah. to the – so is Marvin Lewis. He made it to the playoffs. Well, you know, I do think there is something to that. Like maybe the Cincinnati Bengals held on to Marvin Lewis too long. I do think there's something to getting to the playoffs because as we've seen with the Tom Coughlin Giants, like sometimes you get in, all it takes is for a nice run and you make it into the Super Bowl and win it. But he's not even been doing that. He's only made it to the playoffs one time with Washington. Like that's right. where I think the that's where I think the issue is starting to come up, at least for me. And you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know if they move that whole lot. franchise is a hot yeah, mess that's about the say. top there, down. There's a lot more going on, unfortunately, with that franchise and just worrying about making the playoffs. Uh the game I don't think any of us expected to be the highest scoring affair of the week was the Seahawks beating the Lions 48 to 45. I mean, has has Geno Smith pride. Yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to them in a second. Has Geno Smith become a potential streaming option for you in Superflex leagues? Uh, I think he's been a streaming option. You know, obviously, when it comes to streaming, you stream whoever your best option is. And depending on your league, that may have been Geno a time or two. Yeah, I think he's settled in and he's starting to develop a rapport. When Rashad Penny's running like he was yesterday, that certainly makes it easier on the passing game, you know, as long as uh, DK Metcalf can stay out of the shitter and on the field, you know, 
Uh, at least he he owned up right? he owned up to it though. Yeah, yeah. Lamar still Lamar still cra- uh, claims Crane. So no, I you know they've got Lockett and Metcalf are really good. Fant and Disley are, are very productive tight end options. Uh, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, or DJ Dallas, Travis. Well, Homer's on the uh, IR. You know can catch the ball out of the backfield. So they they have some weapons in the passing game. You know, the danger with Seattle always is they don't prioritize the offensive line. So Geno's mobile, which is good. Uh, but at some point, you got to wonder, will the offensive line start to to break down? Um, they're playing pretty well right now. You know, they've got weapons, though. And it, I don't have any issues right now starting Geno as my second QB in Superflex if I invested highly in other assets and waited on that second quarterback, I think he's delivering on his ADP there. Yeah. I I mean, he's been better than guys like Baker, Marcus Mariota. Like, I don't know that he finishes, I believe he finishes QB one this week, obviously pending the games tonight, but I don't think Stafford or Jimmy G are going to score more than him. So he's likely going to be QB one. I don't think he finishes there, but I don't think it's crazy to think he can be a top 20 quarterback every single week. I mean, as you mentioned it, the weapons around him, like, Look, like we we I think we we've talked a little bit about this and I think the fantasy community really kind of needs to understand for whatever reason there's only 32 of these starting jobs every single year, right? But realistically there's only about 8 to 10 that are just elite game-changing players. The rest of these guys are good to very good you have to be to be a starter in the NFL, but it helps to have weapons around you. I don't think Geno Smith has ever had the weapons around him that he has. The Jets didn't set him up for success. I don't think so, but I could be wrong on that. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, the offensive line is an issue, but he does have mobility, like you said. So I, I don't know that he'll be as good as he was this week. I feel like that was just everything coming together, but he's been a worthy starter for the most part every single week. So I'd be all in. As you mentioned, if you went heavy on to position players and you kind of grabbed Geno Smith late, hoping he'd win that battle against Drew Locke, I don't see any way Drew Locke gets this job at all unless Geno Smith gets injured. I'd be perfectly fine starting him as well. Well, Geno is QB2 on the week and QB4 on the season so far. Or excuse me, QB10 on the season. So, granted, who who finishes QB1? Was it Goff? Yeah. I thought Gino I was scored him by three him. points. Oh, I thought I thought Gino scored higher. So, well, speaking of golf, is that defense holding them back? Like, yes, I, can, I I cannot believe I'm saying this, but like, I don't think the Lions need to draft a quarterback next year. I don't. Golf has been good. He was good last year. He had bad moments, but almost every quarterback does. I feel like he's been a key reason why they've been in these games the past couple weeks. So. We've watched his whole career. What what does Jared Goff need to be a good quarterback? He needs a good offensive line. Yeah. He needs a balanced attack so that he's kind of ahead of the game. The Lions are running the ball really well. They've got a really, really good offensive line. And they've yeah, got some good three. wide receivers. They've And they've got good wide receivers. All of that makes for Jared Goff to have a pretty good season. So there's going to be games when they're pounding the ball. Not well, not this year because their defense is so bad. So you know he's bordering it this year. Um, 
But next year, if they, you know, focus on the defense, add to Aiden Hutchinson, um, at Jeff Okuda's playing well, you know, yeah. they've got some pieces. And so next year in the offseason, the focus needs to be making sure the offensive line stays intact. Uh, or if you do replace one part or maybe two parts, you replace it with a really, really high level player. And then invest in the defense that's what's going to turn that team around is investing in the defense yeah i mean it it was it was crazy to think about here before the season started us talking about you know seattle needs to get a quarterback in the draft next year detroit what would washington do like i mean washington i think still up in the air probably seattle too but detroit i feel like they're fine this offense even yesterday just mentioned how good golf was been. Now, granted, Seattle strength is not quite their defense anymore, but he was missing DJ Chark. He was missing Amon Ross St. Brown. He was missing DeAndre Swift and still went out there and had the day that he has. I think if these teams work around a well-balanced offense, like you said, Jared Goff can be more than good enough for your team. I think the issue in Los Angeles that year was they asked him to do a lot more than he probably needed to, and that offensive line was really bad. Boy, the Colts are a dumpster fire. My goodness, were we wrong on them. They lose to the Titans 24-17. I, I mean, they're 1-2-1. One, one. Jonathan Taylor did not practice today. I'd imagine he's probably out for a couple weeks. A high ankle sprain. We don't know for sure. They play Thursday. I would be very surprised if he's out there playing Thursday. Is there any way they can get it together at this point in the season? Yep, there's always a chance, and it's not like that division is loaded with powerhouses. So, you know, while some teams are playing better than others, they they do have a shot at pulling it together. Being without Jonathan Taylor, which, you know, would normally be a bad thing, but we've seen Frank Reich take Taylor out of the game, you know, not give him enough work. So, you know, Ryan's not having a great year. Um, They need a second receiver to step up consistently to help out both Ryan and Pittman. Their offensive line is really, you know, imagine Jared Goff with that offensive line. You'd kind of be getting what you're getting from Matt Ryan. I mean, if you were to put Ryan up in Detroit with that offensive line, he'd probably be having a pretty good year. Ryan is a statue. He's not mobile. He needs protection. Um, While Jonathan Taylor doesn't need a big hole, having some offensive line space created for him is definitely a plus. But Taylor hasn't been getting as many touches as I think Colts fans and fantasy analysts alike would have liked to have seen. And then now he's banged up with an ankle. Yeah, I I mean, I don't want to put it all on Matt Ryan, but he has definitely not looked good either. We'll see what happens with this running attack. I mean, Taylor, I like I said, I would be very surprised if he plays Thursday. Can they rely on not, all on Naheem Hines? I mean, they've got, uh, was Devontae Price, I believe, is there. They've yeah. got Philip Lindsay also on the practice squad. We see I mean, a return of Lindsay. Lindsay's I mean, probably the guy that's going to step up with Naheem Hines because he's the veteran. But... Honestly, I would like to see them give either Price or Deion Jackson a yeah, shot. See what they can do. I mean, back. you've got young guys. I mean, they're 
Jackson's got really good size. Price has good size. Garrett Price graded out Devontae Price as the best running back in pass protection of this incoming class uh, over at Dynasty Nerds. So, you know, they've got some potential, but it all comes down to their offensive line, and their offensive line is not playing well. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to – you mentioned a a second wide receiver stepping up outside of of Pittman. I mean, I I feel like Alec Pierce had a really good game this week, first week back from being injured. Uh, He was a guy that I really liked. I talked about him possibly having a good year here. I think the big issue is it just feels like Frank Reich wants to only have the tight ends involved. Mo Alley Cox, both him and Kyle Granson were heavily used this week. We saw Jelani Woods a couple weeks ago. So we'll see what happens with this passing offense. As you mentioned, I mean, Matt Ryan's not going to be able to bring you much on the ground to buy time, and this offensive line is bad. On the Titans side is Chig Oku Okuwo? I don't Oconquo, know. Oconquo. Oconquo, sure. A player of interest for you. Uh, he's a dynasty stash in the same vein as Jelani Woods. Um you know, there's really only one tight end in this class that's worthy of rostering right now in redraft leagues, and, and that's Daniel Bellinger. He's starting, he's getting targets, he's getting four or five targets a game on a consistent basis. Anybody else, it's a dart throw. They're gonna, you know, they're having these 12 snap, two catch, one to two touchdown games. You know, they're not getting yard. It's it's just they're in there, it's the set, and they happen to be the guy that got open, so there's no rhyme or reason to it. I I, I think uh, uh, Chig is going to have a good future. He's very athletic, and if you're betting on tight ends as a flyer, you want to bet on somebody that's athletic. So I, I don't mind stashing him in Dynasty, uh, but I'm not expecting him to be usable on any sort of uh, basis this season who would have thought that the new york giants would be sitting at three and one this early into the season they beat the bears brian 12 i mean <laughs> hey brian dayball is a miracle worker kenny galladay ain't the why that, that's definitely true <laughs> unfortunately uh for the bears side here what are we making of the Bears offense? I mean, they passed it more this week. They let instead of the 12 passes, they let Justin Fields double add almost and go th- throw 22 passes. He was 11 of 22, 174 yards. Now he didn't get a touchdown. Um, but he did have the nice play to Darnell Mooney down the field. You know, are we encouraged by what we saw at all? I mean, really, I think at this point, until David Montgomery comes back, I think the only player you can start is Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I mean, well, Mooney went had four for ninety four. He didn't get in the end zone, so that's encouraging to see. Um, you know, Herbert had a twenty four yard pass. I'm guessing that was a catch and run. Um, and then what? Well, Wesco had a twenty three yarder. So, you know, they're getting a little bit of down the field stuff. I'd like to think as professional coaches, they can look at the players and say, "Here's what." we need to do to make it work. And it seems like they were reluctant. They were trying to fit a square peg in a round hole for the first three games of the season and going so far overboard, trying to protect fields by not letting him do anything that it was that he he couldn't do anything, whether the team couldn't do anything. 
you got to let him make some mistakes. He's going to do your best, put him in positions, you know, layer your receivers. So when he's rolling out right, you've got receivers at two or three levels for him to try to pick who's open. Um, let him run. He looks good running the ball. Uh, l- let him do some of that. And he's a big dude. He's 230 pounds and he's fast. Uh, Getsy just, it just seems like Getsy came over and is so happy to have an OC job that he just has no consideration for what talent they have and, and what the talent they have can do. Yeah. It's going to be a long road for Fields. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, a lot of it, I, I hope they don't break his confidence, but he seems like he's holding up uh, okay, and he's going out there and just trying to do his job. Yeah, I mean, we talked with Mark Schofield a little bit about Fields last week on Debbie Debate, and there's definitely a lot of different stuff going on here. I mean, I definitely think some of it's on Fields, but with the defensive-minded head coach, I do think a lot of that is we just don't want you to turn the ball over. So they're not allowing him to take any risks, and I do think that's kind of limiting his play, the limiting the play calling and limiting his ability to make plays. I mean, you just t- uh, touched on Daniel Bellinger being a streaming option at tight end. He, if he's available, you're going and picking him up right now, correct? Yeah, I, I think that if he's out there, you, you want to get him. I think a guy, you know, Albert O played, what, one snap yesterday? I think, I think you know, so. that may bode well for Greg Dolchich as he's getting ready to come off of uh, IR or whatnot. But, uh, no, Bellinger's – he's looking good. He's making – since Sterling Shepard's been out, Bellinger's probably their most consistent option. He's not ex- as explosive as Richie James. But he's not getting the, uh, you know, he isn't getting great opportunity. Bellinger went three for three for 23 yards yesterday. It's not a lot of yardage. Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor combined for 82 yards uh, in beating the Bears. You know, this is, uh, right now, this is a Saquon Barkley team. Oh, yeah. I mean, 36 attempts for 146 yards. I. I'd be doing everything I could to give Barkley the ball to. Of course, something to watch with the Giants as well. Daniel Jones injured in this game, had to come out. Then Tyrod Taylor, unfortunately, got injured. They had to put Daniel Jones back in, see if there's anything serious going on with either one of those, if they have to bring in another quarterback and see what happens. But Daniel Jones, you know, he hasn't been horrible. I mean, I don't know that he's been great, but they found a way to him for him to manage that offense and it's it's working out for they're him. they're using his legs yeah they're they're making well, they're making that actually part of the game plan now for the next couple three weeks that's probably not going to be the case yeah because it seems like he's uh got an injury of the high ankle variety so you know he just has to be able to push off the throw now so that should be good for his accuracy i doubt that but we'll see the Philadelphia Eagles are uh, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 29-21 and remain the only undefeated team in the NFL. On the Jags side here, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has an okay day, but Jamal Agnew is yet again rearing, I shouldn't say his ugly head. I don't know that he's actually ugly, but he's four for 50 and two touchdowns in this one. Are we back to discussing Jamal Agnew as a worthy add in redraft and dynasty leagues? I don't think so. I think, you know, if Zay Jones had been healthy, I don't think Agnew would have uh, really been in there. He's he's a speculative ad that is only going to get significant playing time on offense 
if the three or four players in front of him uh, are missing time. Uh, so before we jump into the Philadelphia Eagles side here, Brandon asks, need y'all's help with the trade, James Conner, and I'm trading CEH. Are you trading James Conner straight up for CEH? Because if that's the case, I'd probably do that. If you're trading away CEH for James Conner, I would not do that unless you're getting more back for CEH. Because uh, I don't I don't think James Conner's long for any starting role, personally. Yeah, no, I think Connor's going to be the starter there this year. Um, you know, in Dynasty, I'm not obviously not doing that, but I think this year it's well, he's going to share it a little, little more. Eno Benjamin is looking okay, and uh, I think you know, Eno Benjamin's looked better personally, but and, and yeah, but you know how coaches are with veterans and stuff, and. So that, Cliff that, Kingsbury may not be in Arizona much longer. I know they just extended it, but my God, this team looks bad. There's some hot seats out there uh, after just four weeks. Um, but if you're if you're getting Ceh, you have to be comfortable that he's not going to get over fifty percent of the snaps. Yeah, just about any given week. Now he is getting the majority of the touches. Um, but we've seen like yesterday and uh, in week one, when they have a lead and they're trying to ice it, they don't have any issues giving the ball to Isaiah Pacheco, who's a bigger back. Now, CEH did fight one in in, in a scrum over the goal line. Um, that was good to see, given his history of uh, short yardage failures. Um but it seems like Pacheco and McKinnon are splitting the work fairly evenly behind CEH. And so they're each getting about 25%, but it depends on what that back is doing. If it's passing, it's McKinnon. If it's running, it's Pacheco. And then you've got um, CEH as the lead back at about 50% of the snaps. Was this the game for Miles Sanders that we were all waiting for? Insert Daniel Bryan gif. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we've been waiting for this for how long now? Uh, feels like years at this I point. I mean, he's had good yardage games in the past, yeah. but for whatever reason, he didn't get in the end zone. This this week is like he kind of just put it all together. Hopefully, Nick Sirianni's like, hey, I think I can work with that. And going forward, we get to see a little bit more uh, of that. My blue light filter on my phone got hit, and it's like oh. my screen's all orange. And I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> um, no, I I like Miles. Miles Sanders is a very talented back. Coming out, he was your RB one yeah. uh, that year, and he feels of the of the three running backs from that year, he's the one who I don't think got a legitimate opportunity at any point to be the lead back to get it game after game to get. 15, 18, 20 touches. Um, and maybe this is, maybe they're coming around to that finally. Let's hope so. I mean, I, I feel like none of the other backs in this, uh, on the Eagles right now, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Trey Sermon got a couple carries this past weekend. None of those guys have flashed anything close to what we saw out of Miles Sanders. And I feel like Miles Sanders looked good at times last year. It was just bad touchdown luck last year. I mean, it literally did not score a touchdown. I thought he's looked much better this year. Again, the biggest thing against him is unfortunately going to be 
Jalen Hurts gets a lot of rushing touchdowns as well. So it's always going to hurt him, but it was great to see him get, I mean, 134 yards and two touchdowns. Hopefully I mean, you were starting. Hurts had another touchdown this week, and Gainwell yeah, had yeah. a touchdown. I mean, yeah. Sermon actually on his two carries rushed for 19 yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, he didn't look bad, but I feel like Miles Sanders so far, I've watched a lot of the Eagles. I'm very invested in Jalen Hurts, and, and the Eagles, being, I had him going to the NFC Championship this year. I think they're a fun team to watch. For me, from the times that I've watched him, Sanders has looked like the best running back. So I, I hope that he gets that shot. Well, he is the best running back. He was the best running back last year, too, and probably the year right. before. Yeah, he just, again, touchdown regression, which sometimes you just get unlucky with those. It seems like that's not so far the case this year. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. The Jets beat the Steelers 24-220 in Zach Wilson's return. 252 yards, one touchdown, one receiving touchdown, two interceptions for him. But Brees Hall is kind of the story here. I talked a little bit about this on Friday. They were very pass-heavy with Joe Flacco, and I thought they might go a little more toward the run game with Zach Wilson being out there, and they still threw a lot. But Brees Hall looked like the best running back on the team. Is he now their RB1 moving forward? Uh, I, I mean, he is the best running back on the team, though. You know, 17 for 66 is kind of a rough stat line. He did get the touchdown, and then uh, receiving, he had, what, Two six for 12. targets? Yeah. Six targets, so he did lead the backs in targets. He didn't have a productive game, um, so I, I don't think you, we need to get too worked up. I do think he is the best of the backs, but I think, it. you know, we're going to continue to see a, you know, 60-40 split going forward on any given week. They like Michael Carter. They're going to continue to give Carter some opportunities. Uh, But Carter's got to do better than nine carries for 15 yards to keep getting those. Uh, I think Brees is is the guy, should be the guy, but it's going to be a timeshare this year. Yeah, I mean, I still think that was a fairly impressive game against a good Steelers defense, and sometimes it just takes these guys a little bit longer to get acclimated to the NFL game. I'll be very curious to see what Brees Hall and Michael Carter's snaps and attempts look like for the next couple games moving forward. I feel like there is the shot for Brees Hall to kind of take a – he's not going to be 90 to 10%. You're, it's probably, Nobody I think, at is. best, yeah, it's best 70-30 at best. But I think he's got a chance to kind of take that stranglehold here. On the Steelers side, I mean, the big news was Kenny Pickett. He gets into this game. Now, he does throw three interceptions. I don't feel like two of those were on him from what I saw. It really looked like that was more on the wide receivers. But regardless, 
what do we think about him and this team moving forward? Because it looked like he was targeting George Pickens more than anybody else. Well, you know, good quarterbacks target players that are open, and they target players that make plays when they're not open. So that kind of rules out Chase Claypool. You know, he doesn't – Claypool, at the very least, should have been able to knock down that interception. But Pickens goes up and gets the ball. He's got a – him and Pickett and Pickens both kind of have this my ball mentality that, you you know, it's almost like Mitch was playing, trying to keep the job instead of playing to win games. And you can't can't play scared like that. And Claypool's got a, you know, he's just, he's not a guy that plays in contact well. Pickens, on the other hand, is kind of showing us that he's able to do that. He's a physical receiver. He's big. He's tough. He thinks every ball thrown in his direction is his ball. And you're going to have to take it from him uh, physically. So I, I think Pickett, as long or Pickens, as long as he doesn't get the dropsies, he's going to be fine. He's still going to get target. And you know, Deontay Johnson's going to get his. Claypool is is the wide receiver three. I think Pickens is the two, and and Deontay Johnson's the one. So today it was a. It looks like they basically have said we're going to move forward with Kenny Pickett, which is a good idea. Um, and so now we'll see what he looks like with a week of uh, preparation as the number one. Yeah, I'm not panicking yet on Deontay Johnson, but three of his four targets came from Mitch Trubisky. So I am uh, a little bit worried about that. He only got one target when Pickett came in. I still think he was robbed of a touchdown. I did not – I saw, at least in my opinion – a little bit of green grass in between that left toe there. I, I feel like he caught that in the back of the end zone, but the ref said incomplete, and I guess it was inconclusive. But it really looked like Pickens and Pickett had uh, good chemistry, and he targeted Pat Fryermuth a lot as well. So uh, we've always heard a tight end is a rookie quarterback's best friend. I don't, I don't know, know if we've heard it. You say it, but I don't know if it. we've heard we've it. We've heard it. The uh, I the, My biggest fear is with them, they may not pass the ball a ton, so can Pickett support three options? I don't think so. So I do think there's weeks that we may see Pickens be the guy and Deontay, unfortunately, falter, which we haven't really seen. It was really Deontay was the guy the past couple of years with Ben, and I think that may be shifting just because it seems like those two have good chemistry. The Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. to Has Isaiah McKenzie moved himself into flex consideration for you? Not really. Um, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, like, how many snaps did he play before Crowder got hurt? Um, you know, Khalil Shakur stepped up and played some. McKenzie's a good player, and I do think that – so depending on how many flexes you have, and how many total wide receivers you can start, including flex spots, he's going to get some consideration in deeper leagues, especially as if you you know if you've got a three wide receiver two flex or three wide receiver three flex league. When you get to that second or third flex, you're looking for upside. You you you're, you have to basically say I I'm willing to take a zero so I can get a fourteen. 
kind of approach here. And, and I think that McKenzie provides that. He may, may even have a higher ceiling than that. So does he get in there on a regular basis? I, I think it's dependent on your options. I, I like him, but I think he's, you know, he's behind Diggs. He's behind Davis. Uh, he's probably at best tied with Knox um, and probably behind Singletary too. Yeah, unless you're desperate, I'm not putting him in there. I mean, he's scored three touchdowns out of the four weeks so far. So, like, that I think is kind of what's booing his value. But after the first two weeks where he had six targets and nine targets, it's been three and three the past two weeks. And he's only broken 30 yards or he's broken over 30 yards twice this season. Like, I, I just don't think that he's going to get a lot of run here. I think it's going to be Diggs and Gabriel Davis as a top two option. Did the Ravens make a mistake going for it on fourth down? It's only a mistake when you don't win. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, you can say the same thing about the Browns game. I, I personally like coaches that go for it and, and try to go and win the game. So I, I have no issue with it whatsoever. If he had made that, as you just said, we wouldn't be talking about like, man, what a gutsy call by Harbaugh and then for them to go. And, so I don't have an issue with it. I mean, what was what was it? Fourth and one, fourth yeah. and two. Yeah, the Browns I mean, was fourth and three. I mean, like I'd I'd be going. I mean, for if it. I got Lamar Jackson, I yeah. it, I'd be hard pressed to punt ever on fourth and one, regardless of where I am on the field. If I got Lamar Jackson, that's why I'm. That's why I don't coach in the NFL. I don't know. <laughs> you might actually do better than you think. And some of these coaches are way too conservative. Fourth and half an inch, and they're they're punting it even in the in the opponent's territory. The Los Angeles Chargers finally get right and get a win here. They beat the Texans 34-24. How are we feeling? Are we feeling better about the Chargers after their week four win? I'd like to see the Chargers get completely healthy. You know, get Keenan Allen back. That's never going to happen, unfortunately, it seems. <laughs> get like. Isaiah Spiller back and see what he can do. Get Donald Parham as their second tight end back, who's been out all year. You know, it's it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in because football is such a physical sport and basically once practice starts you're you're not healthy anymore. Um I, I think they're gonna be fine. Uh Herbert is looking good, he's coming back, he, he seems to be healing good, he's doing Justin Herbert things. Mike Williams had a great game, even though he didn't get in the end zone. Austin Eckler blew up. Um, finally, so it's, you know, they're, a, a they're a good team. Uh, it's, it sucks. They lost Bosa on the defensive side for eight to 10 weeks. So they're going to have to kind of, you know, keep outscoring people. Um, but you know, Houston gave them a good fight. Yeah. Houston's a, he's a good team. I mean, Hey, they got Khalil Mack, right? So maybe they can withstand losing Bosa for a little bit. Um, I really liked what I've seen out of Gerald Everett. For the Chargers, yeah. I mean that feels like that's been a really good pickup for them. That is worth. He, he's out. he's finally he's finally playing like well, uh, everybody yeah. thought he was going to when McVay drafted yeah. him to be the his Jordan Reed. On the Texans side here, who's, again, I feel like they've been a really good team. I know they're oh three and one, but man, have they been competitive in all these games? How good do we think Damian Pierce can be? A hundred and thirty-one yards, one touchdown, had a seventy-five yard touchdown run on 14 carries was literally the only Texans player to get carries this weekend. 
Yeah, I, I think he can be good. I don't know that, you, you know, 14 carries is going to be the the mark of a, a good, balanced offense. You know, Davis Mills is a serviceable quarterback. You know, he's he's your quintessential low-end QB2 for um, super flex leagues. He's going to have some good games where he pops off and – He's going to have some games where he stinks it up. But Damian Pierce, 14 carries, you know, the the long run, it was wide open and he just, yeah, he, you know, he. I think they said uh, on uh, somewhere, I, I saw it on something today that that was the longest untouched run since Jonathan Taylor's 77-yarder okay. uh, a year or two ago. So, I mean, honestly, if they don't get a hand on you, you know, you just have to have enough. I mean, that he he tested at the combine, I think, at a four five nine. So mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have great speed. He's just good. He's quick enough. He's got good enough uh, lateral movement. Um, in the Texans' offensive line is a lot better, I think, than people have given them credit for. They're kind of you know, oh three and one. I, I think they're you know they're doing it right. Um, they're playing hard. They've got a mission. Um, and if they can get another top two, three pick, um, add to oh, that, I feel like they'll have team. one. Yeah. You know, so if they can, if they can a- add some more talent to that team, you know, it, it looks, it's shaping up like a team that's playing hard. And, and the, the bat, the sad thing for me is, is they played like this for David Cully last year too. Yeah, they did. And so, you know, well, it's good to see that they're still playing that way. Um, but I would have liked to have seen David Cully not get the shaft. Um, but if they can keep playing hard, when they get the talent, it's going to turn on and they're going to be really, really good. And I think Davis Mills is the kind of quarterback that they're going to keep building the pieces all around him. And then then they flip the switch and draft the, the super high-end guy next year, the year after to put in there and, and really take him to the next level. This is uh, the real, well, yeah, I agree with you on, on Pierce, like especially where you got him. Like, I think he can bring you RB two numbers, even with only 14 carries, he's not going to get you 130 something yards every single week, but 14 carries with what he does. He's just a back. Who's going to eat up yards here. And they're like, if he can get you 50, 60 yards in a touchdown most weeks, like, I think you'll be fine. Like, I, if he gets those RB2 six numbers, catches, I mean, it'd be nice if he got yeah. more than eight yards, but in PPR, hey, that's still 6.8 that, yeah. points. That's all that matters right there. Uh, this, unfortunately, is the real reason Matt was not able to make it to the show today as the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Broncos 32-23. Day, uh, I almost called him David Carr. Derek Carr. 12 of 34, 188 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. They leave heavily on Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams in this one. Jacobs looking like he has in the past one of those big, big games, 144 and two. Devontae Adams, 101 on nine. Is Derek Carr finally putting it together in this offense? I mean, it. I don't, you know, they had a good game against Denver. It's a division game. There's incentive. Josh McDaniel was the coach in Denver. So there's that added intrigue. So, you know, I think feel like the Raiders rally around their people. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of stink it up again next week. It takes time. 
for things to gel. You've got a new stud wide receiver. You've got a new head coach installing a very complicated and sophisticated offense. Uh, the team has basically told Josh Jacobs, you know, rent, don't buy. Um, and they're trying to, to work this out. So I, I, I don't know how much I'm expecting out of the Raiders this year based on what we've seen. I think they'll get better as the season goes on. Um, but we may look back at the end of the year and say this was their best game. Yeah, I think Hunter Renfro being out is hurting them as well. He was just a bailout target for Carr last year, and and him not being there, I think, has hurt him just a little bit. As while we expected him and Adams to be good, I think it still takes time to redevelop the chemistry they had in college. On the Broncos side here, I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, Wilson has a good day: seventeen to twenty-five, two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. The big news is Javante Williams torn ACL. Among, I think he tore multiple muscles. Is that yeah, correct? He, he did. He's PCL. Yeah. He he tore the knee up. It's like a J.K. Dobbins kind of injury. Unfortunately. So, I mean, what does this do for this offense now? I mean, as much as Matt dislikes Melvin Gordon, I think he's probably at least pretty, even though the dude fumbles every other touch, I feel like you're probably pretty happy that he's on the roster, but it's him and Mike Boone now. Yeah, I mean, I, and it's probably not going to be the 50-50 split that we were looking for. Now, what could happen, maybe they let Russ cook. They go all southwestern tapas and Russ starts spreading those little platters around to Judy and to Hamler and to uh, Greg Dolchich, who seems to be in line to take over the uh, tight end spot. Uh, my guy, Cortland Sutton. some. They might, you know, Russ only threw it 25 times yesterday. Maybe they up that number more consistently in the 35 to 40 range to make up for the loss of Javante Williams. But but I think, you know, Hackett seems fairly conservative uh, when he can be. So I would expect a heavy dose of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, same. Although I do think Mike Boone could get some some pretty serious run here as well. So if he's available, I think I'd go grab him. They just they seem to to want to do the split there for whatever. I mean, if Melvin Gordon keeps fumbling the ball too, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of Mike Boone until Gordon can kind of keep that under wraps. The Green Bay Packers pull off a twenty seven to twenty four win in overtime over the New England Patriots. We got to see Bailey Zappi here for a decent amount. He's actually the only rookie quarterback so far to have thrown a touchdown on the 2022 season. So if you had that on your bingo card, congratulations. I don't think a lot of people expected that. Uh, what were your thoughts, though, of Bailey Zappi in this game against the Packers? You know, he, I think he comported himself pretty well. He did not um, shy away from it. He was a little nervous to begin with. He the team didn't ask him to do things that he couldn't do. And, and so while they surprisingly took the Packers to overtime, that was kind of on the back of Dam Damian Harrison, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, and that pick six that Aaron Rodgers threw. Um, it, I think he's, he, he strikes me as a guy that is – a career backup. He's maybe 
Chase Daniels ish, Colt McCoy ish, uh, oh, Case Keenum. He's that kind of guy. And if he comes in and plays well like this, and now he's out and he doesn't play again this season because Hoyer's back, and then um, Mac comes back and takes back over. And then next year, Hoyer goes and Zappy's the backup. Uh, and he ends up, in, he has a couple stretches over the next three years where he may go in and play for three games or something and play pretty well. He's that guy that Bill Belichick turns into a third-round pick that he drafts and puts on the O-line or the D-line that becomes an all-pro in, you know, 2029 or something like that. Um, he He's, for Dynasty, he's a stash on your taxi squad, um, break glass in case of emergency kind of player. Yeah, I, I think he's a very good game manager backup quarterback. I, I think that's exactly what he'll be moving forward. It was great to see him out there and doing that, especially after I mean, he now holds the record for the most touchdowns in college football, which he did uh, over Joe Burrow last season. So he came in with a lot of hope and hype. A lot of people were confused by when the Patriots took him, especially over some of the quarterbacks that took him over, but he looked good in that game. And I think, you know, him as a career backup, at least so so far, starting out, looks pretty, pretty good. The Packers, as I mentioned, pull out the win here, but the passing game looks like it's starting to gel. Well, the Packers played a very, very balanced game. Uh, Aaron Jones, 16 for 110. Dylan, 17 for 73. And so that allowed Rodgers to be able to um, keep the defense off balance, you know, New England's got a got a pretty good defense. Lazard played well. Romeo Dubs, I think Dubs is coming on and starting to uh, show that he could be the real deal. I'd like to see Robert Tunyon maybe get a few more targets. Um, they didn't only six targets to the running backs, four to Dylan, or four to Jones, two to Dylan. But uh, Lazard and Dubs stepped up, and even Randall Cobb had three for forty three. So. Uh, they played balanced. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see Lazard um, put up over 100 yards, and this one, Dubs, is looking good. Uh, and as you mentioned, Tanya, I mean, no, he only had two targets, but he caught both of them, got a touchdown. Like, I'd like to see him a little bit more involved in that offense, but that may also be the knee injury. He is coming back off an ACL. Maybe he's not fully healthy yet, but it's definitely a good sign, at least for my prediction, of the Packers to be a good team this year that they're starting to put it together. In my opinion, this was the worst game of the weekends, but weekend. But the Arizona Cardinals beat the Panthers twenty six to sixteen. What what do we make of the Carol uh, Carolina, the Arizona Cardinals backfield right now? You know, it's just not productive. I you know, I I'm not sold on Kingsbury. I'm not sold on Murray, and so my expectations for this team are very low. Um, you know, and. Rondale Moore came back with his uh, with his uh, uh, second round draft capital and immediately dispensed of uh, productive Greg Dortch for three receptions for eleven yards. Um, I, you know, there it looks like they're balancing it out. Fifteen carries for fifty five yards. You know, twelve for twenty six for Kyler. Uh, I don't think Kyler's a guy you want running the ball twelve times. I know he seems fast and. And elusive, but uh, you know he's not a big guy. Uh, Benjamin and, and Williams 
are backing up Connor. To me, I, I think Connor is the, the back you want to roster. Yeah, I think he'll eventually get <clears throat> the touchdowns when they get into the uh, the red zone. I mean, Kyler Murray got one this weekend. I just think Eno Benjamin looks better, but he's also a smaller back. So I, I don't know that he'll ever really take the reins away. But I'm kind of with you. I mean, there was a lot of promise and hope around this team early in the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury era. At this point, it's just not working. I think you've got to do something different. But again, I, I don't know that they'll move on from Kingsbury. They just signed him to a massive extension. So we'll see what happens on that side of things. For the Panthers side, I mean, I can Matt Rule fix this game, fix this offense? I, I don't know that it can be, at least not by him. Uh, yeah. Who, who had. "Quote unquote, give me Sam Darnold on their bingo card. I mean, that team is a hot freaking mess. I'm I I can't wait for Darnold to get healthy and come in and and at least be serviceable as a quarterback. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, ba- I Baker's can't, not uh... getting it done. It, you know, Darnold at the very least is smart enough to go. No matter what, I'm getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore." Yeah, I mean, I will say it looks like they made a concerted effort to do that. I mean, uh, what was it? Moore had 11 targets. Christian McCaffrey had nine, so they were trying at least. But it's just, it's not been good, and it sucks. For a player that I really liked in Baker Mayfield, man, the fall from grace this past year and a half has just been, I, I don't even, I don't know that he even gets a backup job next year. Like, this has not been good for him. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So. You know, I was excited for Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota to finally get a, a second opportunity after a couple years um, riding the pine. But I think Geno Smith is the guy who really has laid out the plan for what these guys need to do. So you flame out on that first contract, then you go ride the pine for like nine years. And so Baker needs to go be a backup somewhere for the next eight or nine years, and then when he gets a shot, then maybe he'll play as good as Geno Smith. We'll see if he's got the – if he can take that slice of humble pie, I guess is the way I'll say it, because I, I hope that he can. I don't think he needs to take – I don't think he needs to wait that long, but I don't think – even with – I mentioned earlier in this show, this NFL draft classic quarterback, in my opinion, is not good. I don't know that a team would be willing to to sign Baker Mayfield to be their starter. It, it's not not looking good. And the, the fact that we're now talking about Sam Darnold needing to replace you is even worse news, I think, for Baker Mayfield. Kansas maybe, City Chiefs. Maybe they need Josh Rosen. I mean, Baker's right there with him, unfortunately. Uh, I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs took out a little bit of the pain they had in losing the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple years ago as they beat them 41-31. to Is it time to take Isaiah Pacheco seriously? Pacheco has a role. Um, we, we've seen it when he when, – when the Chiefs are ahead – and ice in the game, or they're, you know, it's a blowout and they don't want to get the starter hurt. You know, Pacheco has zero targets on the season. He's not, he's only playing 25 or 30% of the snaps in the games where he plays a lot. That was games one and four. They were ahead. They were trying to ice it. They were trying to kill the clock. He's the big back on that team. Um, 
I feel like he can catch. I don't think he's Ronald Jones by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to the passing game. They just want to use McKinnon in the passing game when CEH isn't in there. Um, if if next week they're in the game and it's a it's a you know three point game, you're going to see CEH. He's that guy. Uh, if they're behind, you're going to see Jarek McKinnon and CEH because they're that guy. Pacheco. You have to, if you're going to put him in your lineup, you better feel strongly about the game script. If if you think the Chiefs are going to blow the doors off of somebody, then Pacheco might be a guy you throw in that last flex spot that you think it might get you 50 yards and a touchdown. I think they should get him more involved. Uh, you go back to, and I'm not comparing him to this player. This player is much better than he was, but... This offense was incredibly good with Alex Smith, actually, at quarterback when they had Kareem Hunt. I think you can put Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire together to make a version of Kareem Hunt. I get they like using Jarek McKinnon. He's not good. Like, I I don't know why they continue to try and use him. We've seen CEH has kind of been thriving, not just in this receiving role, but almost a little bit too as this running back. But he's not the bell cow type. I think maybe that's what hurt him so bad early on in his career is they wanted to give him 30 carries a game. And then the dude's so tired, you get down into the end, the red zone, and he's trying to punch in and he just can't. He's actually been able to do that this year. I think you use Isaiah Pacheco more and then use, um, I almost called him Kareem Hunt, my goodness, CEH in the receiving role, and even use him because you can toss him little sweet plays. You can use him in creative ways as well in the red zone to get him touchdowns. I think you got to get Jarek McKinnon out of there. I do not think McKinnon is, is any good and why they continue to use him. I have no idea. In my opinion, in watching that game last night, Pacheco looked like the best running back of the three. They're just not using him that well. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe because he is, as you mentioned, the bigger back. They bring him in later in these games to kind of salt those games away, but I think he should get a little bit more run. I'm with you, though. I'm not starting him because I just don't feel safe about it, but I think he should continue to get some more run in this offense. He's definitely a guy that in Dynasty you kind of go out and try to target because I think next year, you know, CEH is going to be there next year. I think it's going to be a two-headed monster next year. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what do they need to do to get back on track here? I mean, I saw a a meme of the, uh, what is it, the Brad Pitt with the cigar in his hand just looking completely exhausted and had a Tom Brady jersey on. Um, And it was Tom Brady realizing he destroyed his uh, family to come back and lose in the first round of of the wild card, which made me feel bad because obviously there are a lot of rumors that Things are not going well for him at home, which is why he took a step away to come back to this. I mean, this has just been, and I do think a lot of this has been the injuries to that offensive line, Chris Godwin as well. But like, is there anything the Bucks can do? Like, I just honestly do not think they're a good team. They can go out and steal two Pro Bowl guards. That's, I mean, that's really what they need. The interior of their offensive line is not getting it done in the run game or the passing game. And Brady has to be protected. He's one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the league. He doesn't like to get outside the pocket. He doesn't move well. I mean, and he's he's old. So as good as he is at some things, I mean, yesterday they completely did away with the running game. They ran the ball six times 
but they were playing catch up because Kansas City got out in front by two scores. And so Brady was trying to bring them back uh, by throwing the ball because he knows he knows that he he couldn't um, he couldn't just let Kansas City keep scoring points while they tried to run the ball. Um, you know, Rashad White looked great in the passing game, though. He's somebody I definitely got my eye on. Yeah, I mean, if this was uh, Bruce Arians still as the coach, I'd be very worried about him ever seeing the field again after the fumble. But uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. Definitely a different regime. So we'll see if that happens with White. But yeah, he definitely did look good. All right, so that will do it for Dennis and myself. The Monday Night Football game will be kicking off here soon. Uh, Matt, I believe, will be back on Wednesday, so we will be here to recap that game. We will talk or preview the Thursday night game, which I knew a minute ago, and now I cannot for the life of me remember who it is, but it definitely involves an injured player, the Colts. Taylor will probably not be playing. They're playing somebody, a team in the NFL, I believe. Uh, uh, hold on, let me check. I got you here. Uh, Colts and Broncos. Colts, Broncos. That's probably going to be a horrible Thursday night game. But regardless, it'll be football, which we'll be happy to see. And then obviously the three of us will be back again on Friday. We'll recap that game and preview the entire week five slate. We're already five weeks into the fantasy season. My goodness, time flies. All right, everybody, before we get out of here, Dennis, what should everybody do? Go subscribe, rate, review. Move us up those charts. Subscribe, rate, review, download. Oh, my son's home. Can you hear his car? I can hear his car, yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody, we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Prepare for glory! Oh, no!